So I don't know about you guys, but I love a good nap. Anybody else? Where, where, where are my nap-friendly people? Yeah, I love it, man. Uh, and the older I get, the more I like it. Uh, I saw something on Facebook the other day I thought was really uh, very like painfully accurate. It said, tips for falling asleep in a chair. Step number one, be old. <laughs> Step number two, sit in a chair. End of steps. Like, that's it. Like, I get, man, I get still, man, I'm out. And I, I love a nap. I love it. I love to just, I do it on purpose. Like, I'll tell Aaron, hey, you have the remote. I'm going to sleep. Like, I, I, I got nothing to do right now. I got 20 minutes. This is nap time. Like, I'm out. Um, so, I love a nap. And I can nap in it. Like, I don't need it. Like, just seriously, get in the chair, get still, I'm gone. But, but there's, there's something that adds an extra, like an extra awesomeness to my naps. That's a good blanket, right? You get kind of snuggled up, get all warm and stuff, right? Um, I, brought, I brought a couple of our blankets to show you guys today. Um, these, are, these are a couple that we have at the house there. This is, a, this is an afghan. It's actually not really a blanket, it's an afghan. This is actually knitted by the grandmother of a friend of ours and was given to us as a gift, gosh, 25 20, not 25 years ago, about, about what? About 12 years ago, 21 years ago. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting, my wife has cue cards for those of you watching at home. She's, she's not, not cue cards. She's giving me numbers over there. I can't read, she gave them to me. Anyway, so this is an afghan that we have at our house. Um, and uh, honestly, I'm a little scared of it getting down. I don't use it a lot because it, it was such a sweet gift to us that, that we don't use it very, very much. Um, but, but I like it. I like that we have it, right? It used to hang across the back of our couch. It was almost decorative for us. So this is one of the, this is one of the blankets. Now this one, um, this one's kind of special too. Um, Aaron's grandmother, when, when she was still alive and with us, was one of my favorite individuals on the planet. She was the sweetest lady I've ever met in my entire life. She used to make strawberry pies just for me. She was, the, she was a great and incredible person. Uh, she spent some, some years later then near the end of her life in a retirement home and um, we'd go and visit her all the time. And, and this, was a, this was a blanket that she kept on her bed. It's still got her name on the tag. Like it's written uh, on the tag. And so um, when I, when, this thing is super warm. Right. And so when I'm napping, like I'll, I'll go find, I'll go seek this one out. Like I'll dig through all of the substandard blankets that we have to find the good blanket from Aaron's grandmother because it's one of, it's one of my favorites. Um, and then this one, uh, this is a, a blanket that was given to us. And again, I don't know that we ever bought a blanket, Aaron. I think they're all gifts. Every, every blanket that we have was, was given to us. Um, so I, I went on a missions trip back in 2010 to South Africa, and I stayed with a family there that were some of just the sweetest, gracious, most God-loving people I've ever met in my life. And we formed an instant friendship. And they actually came to the United States about two or three years after that. And so I stayed in their home when I was there. And when they came here, they stayed in my parents' home because Aaron and I didn't have a space big enough for them, but they, they stayed in my parents' home and we got to spend some time with them. They became, uh, they fell in love with, obsessed with Cracker Barrel's gift shop. 
And uh, so when we were there at Cracker Barrel with them hanging out in the gift shop, Aaron and I saw this blanket and it's got, um, it's got some scripture on it. And we just thought it was really cool. And it, it matched the, 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 the comforter and the bedspread that we had on our bed at the time. And we were like, oh man, that was really great. And so before they left, that they bought us now, this is one of those, like, you look at it, but don't use it kind of blankets. Like, this is like, like it's, it's just decorative purposes only, right? Um, because there's just something, there's something special and significant about a blanket. And, and it's not just the warmth. Like, the warmth is great. But, but science has shown that the reason that we like blankets and comforters so much is actually the, the pressure and the weight, the, the, the weight and the pressure of the blankets, they actually release dopamine and serotonin, which are the, the hormones in our bodies naturally produced. Blankets and the pressure for them increase those levels that give us the sensation of comfort. Of being, of being wrapped and, and covered and the, the pressure of it. La, uh, two years ago for Christmas, um, Aaron and I asked for and received um, a weighted blanket for our bed. Now I, I sleep hot, but I love the weight and the pressure of blankets. And so a weighted blanket was like a win-win for us because I get the weight without all of the 42 different comforters that we used to have, right, to, to create the pressure. So now I get the weight without the heat and it's great. The, I was going to bring that one today, but it weighs like 25 pounds and it's a blanket. So you can't, it's like fighting water. Like you can't, it takes both of us to get it on the bed. It's really cumbersome and, and hard to maneuver. I was going to bring it today and show it to you, but I highly recommend, if you don't have a weighted blanket on your bed, I highly recommend it because you get the pressure and it kind of like pins you to the bed, which takes a little bit of getting used to, particularly for claustrophobic, um, but, but it pins you to the bed, which keeps you from being restless while you sleep, keeps you from tossing and turning. So like, I love the sensation and the comforting feeling of a, of a lot of pressure and blankets. Now, I don't know, if you know this or not, but this, this sensation of comfort that we all so love, one of the names of God is in fact comforter. He's our comforter. We're going to look at that in just a few minutes. Um, but before I, before I do that, I wanted, we, we just saw it on the video, but I wanted to read to you some of the Christmas story. And every year around Christmas time, us church people, we, we like to go to scripture and we read the, the story of Christmas. And so I wanted to, to, to read this to you today. And we're going to come back to the idea of comforter, but just kind of a little bit of, little bit of uh, context and just in case you've never heard the Christmas story from scripture, uh, Joseph and his wife, Mary are on their way to the, the city of Bethlehem because that's where Joseph was from. And he's headed there with Mary, who's about to deliver his, his, his wife, Mary, who's about to give birth to a baby conceived by the presence and the power of God. And that's where they're, so they're headed to Bethlehem because everyone was demanded by the powers that be of the time to go to their city of origin, to be counted for a census. And we'll pick up our readings together in Luke chapter two, verse four, and it says this. It says, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there, from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, he took with him Mary, I said wife, she was engaged, sorry, to whom he was engaged, my misspeak, and who was now expecting a child. 
while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And then I want to skip down just a couple of verses. And in verse 12, Luke, Luke repeats himself. And it says this, there's a, the, the message from the angels to the shepherds in verse 12. It says, and you will recognize him. Watch this, watch this. By this sign. This, this is going to be the sign. This is what you're looking for. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Now I find it's interesting that the Bible says this is a sign, that it, that it points to something, that, it, that it's significant in some way and the Bible repeats itself. And we talk all the time about how when the Bible repeats itself that we should pay attention to, stump, to something like that. Um, so the sign that the shepherds were told to look for was that he would be wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Now I've always focused on the manger part because that's probably the thing that's most out of sorts that he was in a manger and not in like a crib or in a room or whatever. But I don't want us to miss wrapped in strips of cloth because much like we love to wrap up in a good blanket, babies when they're born and first in this world, what do we do with them? Even today, we still do, this isn't, this isn't new, this is, this is old. It's been going on since the olden days and even now. What do we do for babies to, to comfort them? To comfort, we swaddle them, right? We, we wrap them tightly in a blanket. Now in this days, they would actually wrap like actual strips around the baby in cloth to like, to, to lock the arms and legs back in. And we still do something similar with the swaddling blankets that we use today. Man, when my girls were little, when I had two baby little girls, I was a swaddling ninja, right? Cause you know, babies, they'll get out. Like they kick and they fight. They, like they, they, it's weird because it comforts them, but then they fight to get out of it because babies are dumb because they're infants, right? They don't know any better. They're just doing whatever they do, but, but they kick out. So, so the, like, it was like, it was like a competition for me. Like I'm gonna wrap this and you ain't getting out. I may or may not have used duct tape. I did not. I'm just kidding. No, no duct tape. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't go that crazy, but, but I was great at it. Right, Aaron would do it and like, they'd still kick out. She's like, come in here and do this. And then I go in and, and swaddle them because what does it do? It comforts them because it makes them, it puts them back in the same position that they were in in the womb. And it, it brings this sense of, of comfort when we, when we wrap them tightly in a blanket. And see, swaddling a child, it's not about keeping them warm. It's about the comfort they get from the pressure and the tightness. So Mary, she wraps Jesus in these, these strips of cloth. And here's, here's what's interesting to me. Why would Jesus, the God of the universe, the creator of all that we know, why would he need to be comforted? Well, let, me, let me teach you some theology today, right? You're gonna love this. This is, this is called Christology. This is the, it's the study of the nature of Christ, who we know was, was both fully God. He was completely God. There was nothing lacking in the person of Jesus to make him less than 
God, but he was also, in addition to being fully God, fully human. And as a human infant, infant Jesus needed to be, to be wrapped snugly and tightly, just like every other human baby would be. Can, can I tell you what makes Jesus such a perfect friend? Can I tell you what makes him such a perfect savior? Can I tell you what makes him such a perfect sacrifice for all the other humans? Is that he knows 100% and completely what it feels like and what it means to be human. He knows. He knows. He's experienced every human emotion that you have. Read through the scriptures. Jesus died when he lost friends. He, he mourned with those that were suffering. He, and even as a baby, he just like us needed to be comforted. He had relationships and conflicts and happiness, and sadness. He experienced the entire human experience, the only difference between he and us is that he did it completely without sin. And he did all of that so that he could identify with us, know, know how we feel. It's what, it's what qualifies him to be such a perfect friend, king and savior. And I can't help but wonder, I mean, could it be could it be that, that Jesus needed to receive the comfort to be able to extend it to us? Could, could it be that because he, he knew how greatly the, the human need for comfort was that he becomes the perfect giver of comfort? I think that's probably the case. Even if, even if it isn't completely the case, it does it does allow our minds to connect ourselves intimately and closely with our Savior who, who died in our place and, and gave to us exactly what we need because he experienced it himself. If you're a note taker, you can, you can write this down. Jesus offers perfect comfort because he's perfectly aware of the human need for it. He's perfectly aware. Now, not only was his first earthly life experience to be comforted, but the night before Jesus would be taken into custody and eventually led away to be sacrificed, he, uh, he, he sits down his 12 closest friends at a, at a dinner you could call it a supper. You could probably call it the last supper. That is what we call it, by the way, it's the last supper. So Jesus, he sits his, he sits his friends down at the, at the last supper and, and he knows, he knows what's about to happen. He knows that he's about to be imprisoned and then led away and eventually killed as a sacrifice for all of mankind. And he knows the impact that this is gonna have on these men that have been following him around for the last three and a half years and believe him to be the Messiah and promised coming King. 
And so he looks across the table into the, into the eyes and the faces of his best human friends, knowing what's about to happen. And do you know, do you know what the content of their conversation was? Jesus is telling them, I'm, I'm about to leave. I'm gonna go away. I'm gonna be arrested and killed and you're gonna be distraught and it's gonna be overwhelming. But let me give you some good news. Let me give you some good news. I'll read it for you. John chapter 14, verse 16. This is Jesus speaking and he says, I'll pray the father and he shall give you another, look at this word, another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Jesus said, look, I, I've been comforting you and encouraging you and supporting you the whole time that I've been with you, but I'm about to leave. But here's what I'm gonna do for you. I'm gonna send you something better. Not a comforter that's with you for a short time, but a comforter that's with you forever. And Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit and he's going to be a part of you. Now, inside of Christian circles, I think there's a, a, a large spanning and gross misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit. First of all, he's a person. He's a person, he's, he's, he's a real person. It's not an it, it's not a thing, it's, it, it's a he. He, the Holy Spirit, who, who lives in us to, to support us, to, to do all of the things that Jesus did for his life, to comfort, to guide, to direct. In Romans chapter eight, it tells us that when we can't find the words to pray, that the Holy Spirit prays for us, that he'll speak to God on your behalf when you can't find the words to pray. There's a, there's a lot of misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit. Probably because, when, I don't know if it's true for you, when I was growing up, like the church that I grew up in and the pastors that I listened to, and a lot of guys still do this today, they, they didn't call him the Holy Spirit. What did they call him? The Holy Ghost, right? I'm scared of ghosts. I, I don't want anything to do with ghosts. But, but, but ghost, probably not the best interpretation of the word anyway, but, but he is. He's the Holy Spirit who, who lives in us to be our source of comfort. And Jesus said, I'm gonna go away and I know that's gonna be hard for you to process, but I'm sending you something better. I'm gonna send the comforter. Paul, as he was writing to the church in Corinth, when he got to the, the end of, of the letter of, of the second, what we call second Corinthians today, the very last verse in the letter of second Corinthians, this is what Paul says. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Paul says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know about that, right? Jesus died that we might have a relationship with the Father. He, he, he was gracious to us by giving his life. We know, we know about Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, we know about that, right? And the, watch this, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I, I want you, I want you to know that. 
We know about the grace of Jesus. We know about the love of God. I want you to know about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So now, don't miss this. Jesus started his life by being comforted. It was his first human experience. And then at the end of his life, just before he's led away to the cross, his thoughts, his conversation, and his concern was about the need for us. His disciples translated in and transmitted it to us was to be comforted. The entire framework of Jesus' earthly life is framed and bookended by the human experience and need for comfort. It's how he started and it's where he ended. And then after his death and his resurrection, Jesus is on earth for about 40 days and he reveals himself to all of those that knew him while he was here. And he gathers them together and the last, the last words that he speaks, the parting command, the parting information that he wants to leave with his disciples and for all that would believe in him because of them. This is what he said, Acts chapter one, verse eight. He says, but you will receive power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This was Jesus', Jesus parting directive was that because of the fellowship that we would have with the Holy Spirit, because of the comfort that we would enjoy because of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss this, don't miss this. As a matter of fact, write this down. The Holy Spirit is our comfort and comfort translates into power. You're like, that's kind of weird. How does that work? How does comfort translate into power? This is how it works for me. I'm only assuming that it would work the same way for you. When I have the comfort of knowing that the Holy Spirit is not some external force and some thing that I think about or pray to, but it, he lives in me to comfort, to guide, to direct, to lead, to encourage, to pray when I don't know how to pray. When I have that in me, baby, I'm unstoppable. I have a I am a powerful force for the gospel, for the good of humanity, for the message and the, the, the story of a God who loves. I can't be stopped. That's how comfort translates into power. Knowing that no matter the circumstances, that he is always there. He is always with me. He is always in me and for me and giving me the power in the moment to do what I need for the moment. He's there. He's in me and with me. 
What can I not accomplish? What am I going to be afraid of? What am I going to back down from knowing that I have the comfort of the Holy Spirit who lives in me? You can't. And we might fall on hard times. Difficult things may hit and life may hurt. But we have the comfort, the promise of comfort from the Holy Spirit. And that's powerful. It's powerful. And it's available to you just like it's available to me. Jesus' life being, being, being framed and bookended by comfort, I don't think was unintentional. As a matter of fact, Luke said, this is a sign. The comfort is gonna be part of the message of the gospel. Doesn't promise that our life will always and consistently be comfortable, but there will always be comfort to be found in a relationship, in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And then this is what Jesus said. When you experience that power, when comfort begins to translate into power for your life, here's what you're gonna do about it. You're gonna go and be my witnesses to the whole world. And we, we've had this conversation before. This is just good logic. Anytime you experience something great, you can't wait to tell somebody else about it, can you? You ever seen a good movie? You ever had a, a good meal at a restaurant or whatever? For me, it was a couple months ago. Ryan, where are you at? Ryan French. Will you please forgive me? Right, I'm gonna apologize in advance. I went to the Holy Grind. Ryan owns French Express and I, I'm, I'm a frequent patron of that place because I love Ryan and his family. But I had a meeting. I had a meeting at the Holy Grind and then they canceled on me. So I was there, I was like, well, while I'm here, I might as well have some coffee. So I walked up and they had these things on the menu called a brevet. I never, I, I had to ask the, the barista lady, like, what's a brevet? And she told me, it's like, it's really creamy. It's, it's like dessert coffee. Um, I, I drink both, I drink like the manly stuff and I drink the girly, I, I like them both. I, 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 I can't. Anyway, I had, they, it was called, they don't have it anymore. It's called a French toast brevet. It was like French toast in a cup and I fell in love. I went back three, I went back three days in a row. I'm so, Ryan, I'm, I went back three days in a row because it was, I thought it was great. And then I, I then I told my wife and then I told other people and I was, I was bringing it, like, you got to try this. I was buying them and taking the people like, here, you got, you got to try this. Because I thought it was, it was amazing. Man, what if our lives we're so powerfully impacted by the fellowship that we have with the Holy Spirit that we are so comforted that it makes us a powerful force of good in the world because you can't stop me because anything that hurts me, I'll find the comfort for it in my relationship with the Holy Spirit, that I'm unstoppable. Once you experience that kind of power, that kind of comfort, that kind of peace, you can't help but tell other people about it. And that's exactly what Jesus said. When the power comes on you, go and be my witnesses. Go and tell the story. So that's your application. Go and tell. 
We sing that song at Christmas. Go tell it on the mountain. You don't have to find a mountain. Go and tell your neighbor. Go and tell your family. Go and tell all of the people where you live, learn, work, and play that there's comfort available. There's a promise of a relationship with the Holy Spirit that begins the moment you accept Jesus as your Savior. Now, point of application number two. The next time you take a nap or the next time you wrap up in a comfy blanket, I want you to think about this sermon. Not because I'm a great preacher and it was a great sermon, but I want you to think about the comfort that's been extended to you because of a relationship with God through Jesus, his son, who sent the Holy Spirit to be our comfort after he left. If you'll do that, if you'll begin to make the, the aim and the purpose of your life, the focus on, the, on your gratitude for the comfort that you've received in a relationship with God through Christ, you're gonna see just how powerful you can become. And it's not power for your benefit. This is, this is not power so that you benefit. This is power so that nothing stops you from telling the story of Christ. What's stopping you now? What's keeping you? What fear do you have? What obstacle stands between you and the communicating of the gospel to people who desperately need to hear it? Either... Either you have never experienced the comfort of the Holy Spirit and that's something you need to iron out today. Or you have experienced the comfort of the Holy Spirit and you've used the power that you got from that for your good instead of his. But only one of those two things can be true. And the thing that we want to be true is that the comfort of the Holy Spirit it translates into power of our lives, leads us to tell the story of the gospel to every man, woman, and child that we encounter in every place where we live, learn, work, and play. Can we do that this week? Now I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do. We're gonna get done with church. I'm gonna go eat some lunch. I'm gonna go take a nap. And if that's your Sunday schedule as well, when we wake up from our nap, let's send a message. Let's do something. Let's, let's be a witness in the community where we live. Would you pray with me? God, our Father, we thank you so much for who you are, for how you love us. God, we thank you for the gift that you gave in the form of your son, Jesus, the savior of the world, the restorer of our relationship to you. And Father, we thank you for his gift, the Holy Spirit whom he sent 
to be part of our very soul, a part of our very existence. And now God, in response to what has been given, I pray that we would embrace you, Holy Spirit, who lives in us. Would you help us to be convicted where we've fallen short, to be challenged, to be better message carriers of the gospel and to be comforted by your presence in our lives. Holy Spirit, we thank you for who you are, for how you lead and guide and encourage and the peace that we have in this life because of your presence in it. God, our Father, we thank you for this day, the time that we've had and the hope with which we can leave. We pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, who you sent as our savior. Amen. Mm -hmm.